The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West, a.k.a. Genius. <laughs> my name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean, and I guess the name of the dog was Genius, although Kanye is a genius. <laughs> the name of the dog was Genius. <laughs> yeah. Is that where the title of the documentary comes from? I don't think so, but it, I feel like going back through some of the footage, they were probably just like, oh my God, what a moment. The dog's named Genius. Like, I mean, there was a part of a trailer they showed was the conversation between Ye and Rhymefest, mm -hmm. where Rhymefest is like, you're not a genius. Like, <laughs> you haven't earned being called a genius yet. And kind of is like, what? Like, why can't I be a genius? And that actually is at the beginning of part three. It's uh, something that they used in a teaser, but I think that might have been where the the title came from. But it's the thing about the dog is cool. I mean, maybe we can get into that at some point because we're I'm already like getting ahead of myself and like talking <laughs> yes. about specifics from the documentary. But it yeah, is an important intro the episode. Yeah. yeah. All right, you're right. Let's take a step back. Like, where are we, Chris? What is genius? Genius is the documentary put together by Cootie Simmons and Chike Oza. Uh, it's 20 plus years in the making as Cootie picked up a camera in 1998 as he was recording for Channel Zero <laughs> and decided that he was going to make a documentary about Kanye as he was interviewing everybody in the hip-hop scene. And part one finally dropped today. Mm -hmm. uh, part one of three, or yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday came out. Um, but we'll have parts two and three each successive week over the next yeah. couple of weeks. And we're going to be discussing our reaction, you know, our review, mm. our, our fan response mm. to part one in this Perhaps episode here today. More exciting than doc the documentary itself is just like what we think about it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's the, you know, I genuinely think that's how so many like movie critics feel. Oh, totally. Is they're like, oh, you know what? People don't <laughs> care about the movie. They care about what I have to say uh, yeah. about the movie. The Rex reads of the, I, I feel like all of my, my film critic knowledge is extremely outdated. Like is A.O. Scott still writing film reviews? I think A.O. I think A.O. Scott is. I don't know if Rex Reed is, but <laughs> he, he might have moved on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Then my arch nemesis, Mikkel still writing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, I am super excited to talk about this. And Chris, you had already seen the documentary, right? Like you're way ahead of everybody. Yeah, it's been a little bit 
I don't. I just saw Kanye's most recent Instagram post. And I don't oh, which know. one? It's a. Uh, I have a direct question for Mario Armando Lavandera Jr. Do you think jokes about mental health are funny? But I don't know who that is. Yeah, neither do I. I, I, I somebody at SNL, I guess. We'll find out once we're done recording this episode, and yeah. later tonight when I make a video on it. But <laughs> <laughs> that is your job. Yeah. Um. Wait, wh- what had you said? What was uh, the question? Oh, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> what had you said? <laughs> I saw the... <laughs> I saw Genius Part 1 uh, back when it premiered at the end of January at mm. Sundance. I think it was January 23rd or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, and thankfully, they did an online screening, and I was lucky enough to snag a ticket. I didn't realize tickets would sell out, which they did. Which wow. is strange for an online screening. Yeah. Wouldn't but, you want to make as much money as you could? Yeah. Why Why restrict that? <laughs> but yeah, I got to see part one a couple weeks ago and then got to see part two and three um, like a week and a half ago. Nice. Um, so like I knew, I mean, you had already hyped it up. And even though you had hyped it up, or maybe it was because you had hyped it up, I kind of went into it. Not, not that I went into it not expecting much but i i guess i just had no idea what to expect i didn't know how the story would unfold like i knew it was told in sections Mm -hmm. but i was truly surprised that the movie unfolded in real time it was um very reminiscent of hoop dreams um where like you follow these these two kids and they're four years at high school playing basketball like trying to make it big and I got to say like that was probably like my favorite part of it that it was I don't know it it, even though like that has been done before obviously in hoop dreams like you and I have seen a lot of documentaries we see a lot of like film festivals and stuff of all the documentaries I've seen like this format this style isn't common at all Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes it feel very avant-garde and experimental um in the most like simple of ways like like it really is just like taking you on this journey it's happening in real time and through that lens like with that aesthetic like you get the a kind of insight into Kanye that you really can't get like being a follower of Kanye like it's a very chaotic it's hard to keep (laughs) track of everything like you're always like weighing one thing against the other but like this like you're seeing Kanye like you truly see him without any filter without like it's him it's incredible to watch yeah talking about documentary style I I feel like a lot of the documentaries that I see especially recently on you know Netflix Hulu even HBO Peacock Mm -hmm. name all the streaming services but (laughs) when we go to film festivals you have a lot of the breakout right they'll be having usually the narrator telling you something and then you have the confessional kind of things like we're interviewing this person so you might be getting details of a situation or real-time footage of a situation and then you break away to like the expert that's telling you something or the person that was involved that's reflecting on that time and kind of narrating back what happened Mm. uh, which is very different than what you're saying in terms of like the real time right we get cootie narrating some of these things to us but Mm -hmm. you don't have cootie sitting down and being like, so, 20 years ago, this is what's going on. You don't have, like, Jay Ivey 
in the present day talking about yes. back then. You don't have like these people in the present day telling us what was going on back then and then flashing to mm-hmm. those scenes. It's just like, no, we're getting like just a movie, like a straight up movie that's just scene after scene after scene of Kanye in 2002. Yeah. It gets nothing like The Last Dance, which in yeah. retrospect makes The Last Dance feel like I know they wouldn't have made it unless like Jordan approved it, which meant it kind of became a puff piece in a way. And like you're saying, like all of those typical elements we expect from a documentary, that's all there in The Last Dance. And it make it. I mean, I'm a gigantic Bulls fan, like love Michael Jordan. That that made that movie a bit of a disappointing experience to me. Ooh, like like it's a tremendous story like there's no denying like what they accomplished but there's an element to that kind of documentary um maybe just when it's not done right that feels a little it feels like there's a almost a barrier there like you're not getting the true insight it's not what i feel when i watch genius like even in the moments where cootie is talking he's providing this perception of kanye like back then like how Mm -hmm. what he was seeing from Kanye like it's still existing in real time and the commentary you're getting like it just becomes a sort of meta play on a documentary and what it was like to be with Kanye in that moment and like how important it was to capture these moments it it becomes this very visceral experience that I don't know again it's just like so atypical from what we're used to seeing yeah but it's I think what makes it I keep saying over and over again I said it when I was watching it, I said it in the the review video that I made, I've tweeted about it, that parts one and part two specifically, I part three is the one that all the reviewers have been like, oh, it's a change of pace, and some have just recognized that while still mm-hmm. praising it, and others have said like, part three is weaker. I don't, I don't think so, it's just different. It's like weaker in the way that Yeezus is weaker, or that 808s <laughs> was weaker in the follow-up to... Uh-huh. Like, college dropout, late registration, graduation, right? It's just a little bit different, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. But parts one and part two are so steeped in following Yay around and mm-hmm. being this like real-time underdog story that is just infinitely rewatchable. You can yeah. just put it on and kind of float in the time and the space and the story of what's going on, which is really something like you don't get that feeling from a lot of like documentaries movies i don't know just having something that feels that drinkable that watchable is not an easy thing to create and yet Mm. this has that timelessness about it maybe it just speaks to like what i want from movies in general like i love movies that do that that are a little plotless in a way Mm. um where there isn't like some nadir or some driving, there is a driving force, but there isn't like this disruption, you know, like something that's that becomes like the center of the story outside of the characters and what they're going through. You you really are just watching somebody who has this single mission to to become huge, to reach an audience with his music, uh, to to do good in the world, to become a leader. It's to watch that kind of journey unfold in real time to just see the progressive elements of life, like as we all experience them, experience them, that's go outside of documentaries. That's not even really that common in movies, period. Yeah. (laughs) Like it only has like, 
uh, the structure of a movie in scope, but like when you get down to like the aesthetic and in the form, it's, I don't know. It's, I mean, you described it perfectly. It's just like, it's just wild to experience that. And it's so comforting and easy. Like you said, drinkable yeah. is a great way to put it. It's, it's a kind of movie we're not used to seeing. And it, God, it makes me so excited for part two. Like I, like I already know what's going to happen, um, <laughs> but I'm so excited to watch it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What a, what do you have like a specific scene that kind of surprised you the most in part one where you're just like, Oh man, I did not expect like that to hit as much as it did. Or like, yeah. Oh, we just saw that happen. I think to me, the, the, the best scene in the movie and the moment where like everything kind of, uh, crystallized for me in like clarity set in, in this moment was when, uh, what's his name? I, Oh, Doug infinite. Yeah. Um, when he goes on and he has that, th does he go on the radio and just like discounting or does he release a diss song? Is that what it is? I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, there's, there's definitely like a diss song and then he's like trashing yay. It, like I know all these things about Kanye. Like he, he travels away from Chicago, like goes to New York, tries to make it big. There are all these people in his life. But then when he comes back to Chicago, he has this moment where he feels betrayed by Doug. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy to think because again, like we know Kanye now people are constantly dissing Kanye thousands <laughs> of headlines a day. diss Kanye. He is perhaps the most hated figure in pop culture. It's funny to look back in this moment and to see him so hurt and so feel so betrayed by somebody who calls him out. Yeah. And especially in his home city, like this was, it, it was this, infinite it, it was this monumental betrayal he felt like it, it's just so crazy to see him in this moment dealing with that trying to make peace of doug going on the radio and like trying to make amends and saying like hey you're not all seeing the story he he tries to put on this front of like this is what it's like in the industry like this is what we do like you you can't just pay attention to the words yet just before he goes on the radio he's hurt by the words he yeah. doesn't understand that that's what happens in the industry and you're seeing him like put it together in real time. And then the very next scene goes to visit his mother and yeah. gets these words of comfort. And she empowers him and gives this speech, you know, about the giant standing in the mirror, which is easily the best part of the movie. That, that <laughs> whole interaction. It's it's fucking incredible and reminded me that I need to re I need to read Raising Donna before I have a kid. Um, it, it's so incredible to see when you put those moments side by side, you truly see Kanye and how he became who he became. Like this, he slowly had to like learn what it was like in the real world, the kind of hardships he was going to face throughout the entire documentary. There are all these, there are several moments where people say like, man, you get to the top, like people are going to hate you. Like you got to be ready for it. And Kanye's you could see it like he's slowly realizing that yet at the same time has to remember these words of encouragement his mom gave him, especially, uh, you know, looking forward after Donda dies, like he, he has to remember those words from her. Like it, th it's exactly what we talk about when we're talking about the album Donda and where Connie's at today. Yeah. All those two scenes, like it told me everything about Kanye, right? It's, it was yeah. amazing. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that's as you were describing that, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's I mean, that's what we talked about with Donda in terms of the focus on the album. Uh, for those of you that may not have listened to the season or heard us talk about this before is a lot of people are like, oh, the album's about Kanye's like grief over his mother passing, which isn't really accurate. Right. Um, but it's more so like Kanye remembering like his mom and the spirit of his mom and the teachings of his mom. And like in this time where he's feeling like he's in jail, where he's feeling like he's uh, like dead inside in some ways or like in the grave, so to speak, he's Hmm. recalling Donda's words. He's recalling what Donda taught him. And this is infusing him with this uh, spiritual adjustment that he needs to go and make like necessary changes and strides in his life. And that's exactly what we see in the documentary as you're describing. Like that's really what stood out to me because I was expecting, we've all heard last call, right? (laughs) So a lot of the story is familiar in the sense of, you know, Ye's in Chicago, he goes to New York, he's getting some success as a producer, but people aren't really like fucking with him as a rapper. And you know that he has ability, but he's just not getting the shine that he wants. And you see that in the all falls down scene, right? Which seems to be the thing that social media and a lot of media outlets have focused right. on. It's like the Donda meetup and the the all falls down uh, walk through the hallways, which we're going to have a few more conversations about that later on. Mm-hmm. But like that wasn't unexpected to me it was cool to see and cool to see actually play out like oh he wasn't lying (laughs) yeah he wasn't exaggerating on uh last call like damn uh but i didn't expect to see him go back to chicago with the momentum that he had had and having the homecoming that he had right because we've talked a lot especially in our graduation season about how much graduation is Ye essentially breaking up with Chicago mm-hmm. or realizing that his relationship with Chicago is never going to be the same. Right. And that they had something special, but when you leave, you kind of leave and the dynamic the dynamic changes and can't really go back to what it was. Mm-hmm. So to see him in this documentary come back to Chicago and get such a, a frosty reception, right. it's not like he wasn't having moments with fans right or like getting show it's just it wasn't the heroic return that he thought it was going to be right and in fact he met more controversy from people like that sense of betrayal and with the when he confronts doug infinite the thing that jumped out to me was it that yay was like angry right especially because we all have this perception of not we all have this perception but I think there's a popular perception of beefs in hip hop being 
aggressive and violent, right? Mm -hmm. Especially from the 90s and everything with like West Coast and East Coast and you see what happened to Tupac, what happened to Biggie, you see the animosity that was there at least lyrically between Jay and Nas, right? Mm. So when Doug Infinite says this about Ye, <laughs> I think there's part of us that expects Ye to go and be like, hey, let's fight, like what was yeah. that? And it's gonna be this aggressive thing. And instead, yeah. Kanye goes up to him and he's just like, you hurt my feelings. Kind of tiptoes like, up to him. Yeah, he's like, why would you say that? Like, <laughs> I thought, I didn't mean, like, I gave the interview. I don't know if he was telling the truth, right, when he was saying, like, I mentioned you, but the interviewer just didn't include yeah, that I mentioned right. you. I don't know if that's just the thing that you say when you're, like, 25, 26. Kanye like said 20, that to Doug, right? Yeah, he said that to Doug. Like, no, I, I mentioned you. They just didn't put it in. Like, right. and now you're mad at me for them not, like for them editing something, which, you know, maybe he did say it, maybe he did it, he's just, like, covering his bases, <laughs> um, trying to, like, get on Doug's good side. But you can see, like, Doug goes from angry mm. to genuinely, like... Needs to be a father figure. Yeah. He goes and he, like, just takes Ye around the corner and starts talking with him and, like, yeah. building him up. And you see him put on his, like, mentor cap. And that was such, like a sweet moment it's making me kind of tear up <laughs> yeah it's incredible Just thinking of, like that's that's huge that's huge that's huge and part three really gets into some of the thematics of the impact that parents have mm -hmm. but i would argue that it goes beyond just like the impact parents have but the impact that like you have people that can open doors for you and people that can close doors for you mm -hmm. and that at a certain point <clears throat> you're the person that needs the door open and you eventually become the person that can like open and close doors for others, whether it's your very own child, whether it's, you know, someone that you're mentoring and to be aware of that power that you have. Mm -hmm. And Doug infinite in that moment, taking the time to say, all right, instead of closing this door on Kanye, I'm going to like give him advice. I'm going to build right. him up was really nice to see and just kind of like encapsulated to me like the kind heartedness of yay that mm. really is at the core as much as he can wild out as much as he can cross lines and cause problems i think we all kind of uh, like a lot of fans know that at his core like he's the guy that wants to make people happy that doesn't want to upset people even right. though he does at this point like he would ideally want people to be like happy and not make individuals upset so mm. that was like such a powerful moment and then as you said heading from like all of this controversy all the disappointments in new york the disappointment in returning to chicago yeah. to donda being this kind of climactic obi-wan kenobi yoda figure <laughs> It's just amazing the, because there's a version of this story that plays out where like Donda's kind of present throughout, mm -hmm. and it's not like that's the first time we see her in the documentary, right? But I think it might be actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, because okay. it. I I was wondering that while watching it, I was like, where is Donda? <laughs> but she comes at like just the right moment. Like it was almost like they were waiting for her entrance. Right. Like it. She just that the power that she has in that moment of being the one to 
help Kanye through that. And that it's not just like a two minute scene, right? Mm -hmm. That you really linger in the conversation and in the moment and get to sit there with them. Yeah. It's incredible. That's, I mean, that, that what you're describing is again, exactly, exactly what I want from movies. Like to let that conversation play out to see all of it, it. This is the problem with most movies to me is like, there is this need to only give you information, like what's important for driving the plot forward as opposed to existing with characters and let us letting us like see into their souls, like how they are, how they maneuver, how they function. Um, forgive me for this. I cannot think of a better movie example. If I, if I could sit here for a while, I probably could, but I'm just going to go with it. Magic Mike XXL (laughs) is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time because it does this particular thing so well. It's something I just never see in movies and the movie does it so well where they're, it's kind of a plotless movie in a way. Like there is a plot, I guess they're all, they're going to this convention, but along the way, everything that happens like isn't super important. And a lot of the times we're just seeing them like sitting in rooms, interacting with people, like talking about themselves. It's all just character work the whole time. Mm. Um, beautifully shot, by the way, which is the other reason that movie's incredible. But it, it it's incredible to just see people like exposing themselves. Uh, you get to know these people so <laughs> intimately in such a way that is, I mean, when you see it, you'll know it. Like, it's so uncommon to see a movie like this. So to have these moments with Kanye and Donda, like, think about all the stuff they talk about. Like, Kanye is telling the story about Jay-Z hearing the beat to to Izzo, you know, and, like, playing it out, like, and doing it, and actually a really good Jay-Z impression. <laughs> that was the other thing I, I took away from this movie is Kanye's really good at impressions. <laughs> there were a couple he did that were just, like, cracking me up. Uh, oh, his Stevie Wonder impression. That was cracking me oh, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, like, Donda starts rapping, and they're rapping together. They're, like, remembering a song together. And then she says something like, oh, you play tracks like Jordan shoots free throws. And then she talks about this metaphor of a giant looking in the mirror. And she says the metaphor, but doesn't explain it, talks yeah. for a while, and then towards the end, like, makes kind of understand what she means by the metaphor and how you can, like, fly and be on the ground at the same time. Like, you watch this whole meandering conversation play out and none of it's like, again, there's no real plot, right? None of it's important. You don't, you don't learn anything about like the end goal of the story. And like, it's just, you're just there. You're there in a room with Kanye and his mom and you're seeing how he became who he became. I, I just like, I don't even think Hoop Dreams did something like that. Like, I don't know if there are any scenes where you just sit with somebody for that long in a single moment. And and I again, I think that's why it's Donda's entrance in the movie and why Cootie used so much of the scene because, like, he knew it was important. He was there. <laughs> he saw, like, he, he saw the, the, all the little... Uh, gears and Donda and her son's relationship like she saw he was experiencing how important this moment was in real time that he knew it would be 
important to just include that much of it in the documentary. Like we kind of experienced it like Cootie experienced it. You know, you move throughout all these different phases of Kanye, snapshot here, snapshot here, snapshot here, except this moment. Like we're going to sit here for a little bit and experience this. Like that is just not something you see in movies. It's so important to have that kind of stuff. I just, I've, (laughs) I was laughing because you're talking about magic Mike XXL (laughs) And you're just like, you know, to have them expose themselves. <laughs> I was like, that is something that they do in magic in the Magic Mike movies. In more ways than one. Yeah. Wow. Uh but yeah, that that's I think one of the the key things this documentary does is that it knows how to like when to sit in a scene, right? Like same thing with the Rockefeller, like him playing All Falls Down. That it's not just a one minute scene mm. that we just kind of get this idea of him like playing it and people not reacting or it could have cut through that scene a lot quicker, mm. but instead it really steeps you. You're right. Yeah. And like, we're walking into the office, <laughs> we're going into somebody's office. We're going to play the song. They're just going to kind of stare at Kanye. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. the. I think it's the first woman. Uh, was it like Shaka Pilgrim? Was that her name? Maybe. Um, which she's been trending <laughs> oh, right. after the documentary came out. Yeah. Um, because you kind of see her just like not reacting. And then you all, you have somebody come and knock on the door and it reminded me of being at the bar when you see like a guy talking to a girl and the friend comes up to kind of rescue the girl yeah. where Ye's just playing this music and somebody's just like, Oh, do you need save from this? like artists playing you music they always come in here and do this and they start talking and interacting working like these are working professionals with like jobs to do and you just see (laughs) yay be like okay and take his tape and go to the next like office and try and do the same thing one of the interesting things about this scene which has been talked about a lot on social media just like oh all these people didn't realize he's playing all falls down yeah all falls down there was one popular tweet that had like ninety thousand likes that was saying that this is an important reminder that most of the people that are professionals aren't good at their jobs (laughs) or like in the music industry a lot of these people like can't recognize something great until they're told it's great right there's all these negative responses to it but this guy uh, Wayno said, LMAO, the context behind this is he played this song in the office and did this with a camera crew like 10 times. How many times can you have a crazy reaction to something you've heard 10 times? It was kind of annoying at that point. And that. somebody, okay, somebody goes on to say, so why were they reacting as if it was their first time hearing it? The Alexis line had them sh- in shock and Wayno yeah. responds with, because it might have been a few people's first time hearing it, but he did that <laughs> shit all the time. He did it at Def Jam on both of their floors. He did that at Universal. He did that all the time. And somebody said, was it being played on the radio? And he goes, no, but he came into the office and did the same thing he did in that video numerous times. Um and somebody says it makes it even more legendary. And he wasn't after the initial reactions. He was trying to get a deal. So he was going to keep doing it until he got what he was after. And Wayno says, man, he was already signed at that point. And the person's like, as a rapper? And he goes, yes, I used to work for Rockefeller. I'm also in that clip. Like, Wayno's actually in the clip that we see in uh. the documentary. Uh, 
and he goes, he wasn't just a producer. He had just done the Blueprint album and everybody wanted beats from him. He was just a producer. He was like Metro booming um, after going on that future run. And I'm really torn because on the one hand, like, Wayno was there, right? Mm-hmm. And I get what he's saying about, like, you know, he's come in and done that like 10 times. What are people supposed to do? But I think that's kind of the point, right? You would expect if he came in and played All Falls Down, that somebody would be like, oh, you're really good. Let's like get things going. But yeah. that didn't happen the first time. It didn't happen the second time or the third, fourth, fifth, yeah. which is why he's still there doing it. And it seems to imply that this is out of order, right? Because part one ends with Ye getting signed as a rapper. Mm-hmm. And Wayno saying that at this point, Ye was already signed as a rapper, which either means that Wayno is right and like the genius team just put that scene out of time and put right. it ahead of Kanye being signed when it was actually afterwards, which happens in documentaries all the time, right? Like you might move that to give the idea of what it was like for him, even if that wasn't exactly right. Like when it took place or it's possible that Wayno just like, isn't quite remembering the timeline as clearly. Mm -hmm. And like this specific instance was before he was signed as a rapper. But even then what we see in part two is that, when Ye signed as a rapper, they're still not opening up his budget. They didn't right. give him the ability to go and make the college dropouts. In fact, he was still so shackled that he was having to produce more than ever before uh. <laughs> and had to start like working on the college dropout by getting to the studio ahead of the people he was supposed to be producing for and using their studio time. <laughs> so he would get like... 10 minutes of doing things for his album ahead of having to like produce something for someone else. Wow. So even if he was signed as an artist, nobody was taking him seriously as a rapper on the Rockefeller label until after the, uh, through the wire video came out. And at that point, Dame dash is like, Oh, we'll give you a budget. (laughs) But so whether or not Kanye was signed as a rapper at that point, why would it he be doing any of that if he was signed? I It doesn't make much sense, right? The only thing would be that he's trying to get somebody to be like, oh, okay, go make your album since he didn't have his budget. So it would have been one of the things he was doing to try to get his budget opened up. But mm-hmm. eh, I, I like to believe that it happened as presented in the documentary. Yeah, I have a hard time. I mean, I guess people just say I'm dick riding, but <laughs> I have a hard time <laughs> believing that like uh, more from like Cootie's standpoint that he would like purposely put things out of order to kind of spice up the story. Anyway, no matter what the case is, I was thinking about this on some level. I kind of sympathize with the people in the office. Like you're trying to do your job and this dude is just coming in and rapping at you. Like maybe that's annoying, but at the same time, all falls down. Nothing sounded like that. Like yeah. Kanye truly had a sound that sounded like nothing else. And and it would go on. Like he would go on to prove <laughs> that he had a sound <laughs> because Kyle Dropout was gigantic and he defined the sound for so many people moving forward. Like it is crazy to think that like you could hear him live in that moment doing something that's not really been done in hip hop and not have a more insane reaction, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> even if it was his 10th time playing like yeah. that in the office, it's like, yeah, you should have done more then. Like, yeah. I don't know. Why is he still having to come and play it? <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Man. But that's a, it's just very fascinating stuff. I honestly was surprised. And maybe it's just a limitation of the document mentory right like how much they could occlude mm-hmm. or how much like cootie got access but i kind of expected more jay-z presence oh yeah right um because we know that yay worked on blueprint he worked on the black album i mean i guess we did get to see that moment where kanye or maybe that's part two where kanye's like rapping for jay no that must be part two that's part two okay um okay but yeah, I was expecting a little more uh, Jay in that, but it's it's such a good... And then part two is just like a continuation. Yeah. It just like picks up right where you leave off and you keep going. Yeah. Um, I think the other important scene, I guess Donda is like the star of this in a way, because like the other really important scene, and Cootie notes it in the moment, is when he goes to Connie's child at home. Yeah. And him and Donda are sitting there. And again, you're kind of just like watching them have these conversations, like, again, reflecting on things that don't matter, like Kanye winning talent shows and getting mad when he doesn't win talent shows. (laughs) Like all that stuff is like so endearing and funny and insightful. Um, But I I did think it was interesting that they talk about their dog when he was a kid. The dog's name was Genius. Uh, although yeah. I don't know if it's spelled J E E I'm not sure about that right. one. Um, but that the dog, I guess the metaphor being applied was that they called the dog genius because it knew how to break out of the yard and get loose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no matter what they it, did, it always knew how to get out. Yeah. And it becomes this like, like it's the perfect way to describe Kanye. Like you can't hold him down throughout the entire documentary there are people trying to put him in a box like no you're a producer you can't be bigger like we they're hearing him rap they're hearing something incredible and at the same time being like but we can't like sorry you're a producer like this isn't how it works it's incredible to watch it it was so crazy to watch it happen over and over and over (laughs) like people are just like wow you're amazing scarface is like oh oh man family business like that was incredible and then just walks away and never talks to yay again you know (laughs) it's it's crazy to watch it over and over and that's that's this connie becomes like this dog in a way like you can't just hold him in this yard he's going to break free eventually someone just has to finally give him a shot he's going to as he said, like, will it into existence. He's going to make it happen. Like, you just keep going and going and going until it happens. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. <laughs> and yeah, I, it's a good uh, connection being made. Like the boxes he's placed in, the ways in which he's fenced in. Mm. And it didn't stop with just being a, a rapper, right? We talked about it in terms of like, oh, he can't get into fashion. Yeah. Or like you can't be a rapper that's into fashion. Oh, and you can't be like, 
someone that's into fashion that's a rapper that's now a designer and then he breaks through that and then he wanted to be a, a business person they're like no yeah and now he's like billions of dollars um that is really interesting to make that like connection right and then you also have the the foreshadowing where kanye talks about like dropping his last name like yeah. just being yay like so, 2002, he's talking about just being yay. <laughs> Although he was mad that on that sheet of yeah. paper, they just called him Kanye. And yeah. he was like, why not just call me yay? And I was like, huh, the irony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, who was it? It was uh, the other artist where he's like, you know, you don't say like, was it Jermaine Dupree or someone? Yeah. yeah. He's like, you don't just say like featuring Jermaine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to the the dog named genius um the other awesome part of like that grand metaphor that's just like naturally playing out in that moment is like they're at kanye's childhood home yeah like kanye not only needed to like break out of this this box but like he again you know we're talking about graduation and even looking forward to this moment of the donda listening party where he burns his childhood home it kind of it's just so poetic and happenstance that like all this is happening that that you can connect this this dog named genius and its desire to break free from the art like like that literally happened at child connie's child at home he needed to break free from that environment in a way not not like abandon his child at home in chicago and donda's teaching but like he needed to graduate from that existence in a way like he talks about in the album graduation yeah it it, uh, it's not an easy thing to understand um like that to achieve something greater like you kind of have to abandon who you are in a way like what's familiar to you like what you grew up understanding is like true and right like the whole point of this documentary just slowly becomes that like if Kanye wants to achieve the same, he has to ignore all of the rules, what everybody tells him was right. Like what is in a way he has to abandon this foundation and like build a new one. It, like he has to realize that like that is not an easy thing for anybody to realize. And 99% of people are like, will probably never do something like that. Uh, like Lauren and I were, were talking about it after the documentary. Lauren's my wife, by the way. Um, <laughs> And how like when someone becomes famous, like they did that didn't happen on accident. Like very few people become famous, become celebrities. Like they had to put in this work that so many other people in the world don't put in. It didn't happen Mm -hmm. by accident. You have to completely invest yourself in something. And Connie is that to like the absolute nth level. Like he did it more than anybody could have ever dreamed it was possible of doing. Uh, so this dog is is that <laughs> <laughs> it's something too i've i look at this with people that i grew up with in ohio where a lot of them you had some people that never wanted to leave right they had right. a choice of they could stay with what was comfortable and familiar like you don't want to go that far you don't want to be more than an hour from your parents yeah Like, you don't want to be more than an hour from, like, the things that you kind of know, the people that you love. And what the cost of that can often be 
the opportunities that you have to do more things, right? Not just mm-hmm. like travel or eat at like a nice restaurant kind of thing, but just like job opportunities. Right. And that there's often this trade-off between the people that I know that went somewhere different, like moved states away, countries away, mm. and the career opportunities that ended up affording them and the life opportunities that ended up affording them in terms of leveling up to some degree mm. uh, that came with the cost of disconnecting from that person that they were, right? Mm. Like you're still your parent's child, but you're not there in that role day in and day out. You still have your all your friends back home, but like you're not there seeing them day in and day out. So you do lose part of yourself, right? Right. And that life that you had known and had at the cost of, you know, hopefully pursuing something greater and more. And that's always going to be kind of the trade-off of that. It's rare mm. to have it be where you can just stay where you were, stay where you grew up, stay with who you know, your family, and achieve yeah. like immense things. Um, usually there's some kind of relocation that needs to take place just to have other opportunities. Like I talked about this with some friends back home, like the amount of just entry level 40 to $50,000 a year jobs in Canal Fulton, Ohio (laughs) are very small. And even finding something like that in like Canton or Akron, like very difficult. But if you move out to Austin, there's all of these tech companies Uh hiring people at like 30, 40, $50,000 just to come in and cold call. Yeah. And it's like, that's not a huge thing, right? Like we're not talking on the scale of like moving to New York to become a music producer and a successful musician, but just like if you move from Ohio to Austin and get this job that's paying you $40,000 and then stay there for two years, you can maybe be at a job that's now paying you six figures Mm -hmm. just because of how that goes. And it's like by making a simple move, you suddenly allowed yourself these whole new opportunities. And yeah, that's kind of the right, like the the grounded version of what we see in Kanye's story. Kanye's story, mm-hmm. as you said, is like the nth degree extreme version of this, where you leave everything behind to pursue something that changes your life forever. And for him, it's music superstardom, like yeah. into the fashion world, into the business world. But that doesn't mean it can't apply to others in much smaller more like familiar ways of just like, yeah, I left my small town for a larger city with more opportunities and got like a good job and it changed kind of the, the course and future of my life. You and Lauren experienced a similar thing with like moving out to Iowa and her taking that job Mm. out there and the, the career opportunities that's allowed for y'all. Yeah. Just followed her around all over the Midwest. Um, (laughs) You did. (laughs) But yeah, at the same time, though, because because it's really tough for a lot of people to move away from home. I mean, it's tough for anybody to move away from home, like moving away from anything familiar, um, yeah. no matter how excited you are to experience something new, like y- you lose something. You have to abandon something when you do that and start fresh. Um, again, Kanye on this nth level, like this e- extreme story, like 
it's a big deal for him to like not be in Chicago. They spend so much time talking about Chicago and um, planting that he has so many friends in Chicago and so many people that helped him rise up that when he returns to Chicago and feels betrayed, like people feel betrayed by Kanye and Kanye feels betrayed by that. Like you really sacrifice something when you make these kinds of moves. Um, which again, just makes me think forward to him burning the house and kind of like burning who he is and always not being afraid to start anew. Like that, that fearlessness is not there in part one. Like you can tell it troubles him that these things happen. He's deeply hurt when he, when someone talks bad about him back from Chicago, he wants to be remembered as this person, but to achieve this greater thing, like he has to slowly realize like, you kind of have to let go of that a little bit. Like you need to represent something. You need to represent something bigger. You need to mean more to more people in the world than just like this core unit. It's a man just to watch somebody again, learning that lesson in real time. That is, that is just such a treat in terms of movies. Yeah. Uh, Kanye just posted to Instagram again (laughs) and he changed the picture from black and white to color. And it turns out Mario Armando Lavendera Jr. is just Perez Hilton. Oh, got it. So apparently Perez Hilton said something about Kanye that Ye is not a fan of. Yeah, he was going after TMZ too, right? Yeah, earlier he deleted those posts and was like, yeah. you're godless. You're godless, that's right. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, God, I felt like I was going to say something else, but I can't remember what it was. There's just so much to cover. Like, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, the documentary seemingly doesn't, like, move a lot. Like, only a couple years pass. And it's, again, mostly stuff I know about Kanye. Yet, I feel like I'm constantly learning these new things about Kanye. Yeah, because it's, it's like we know a lot of the broad strokes, but to get into the nitty gritty of just, like, car rides and parties and studio sessions in a very focused period of time is just an entirely different view than what we've ever really had before. It's a different view, different degree of access. And, um, that continues very well into part two. Yeah. I'm excited. I will say the other way. Yeah. The other best part of this movie is that Scarface scene. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Mostly because Scarface is so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> like he, he notices Kanye's retainer saying, he's like, what's that? And Kanye's like, my retainer. He's like, ugh, like, don't put that there. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. Right. <laughs> Father uh, figure it, moment. It, it was also really crazy to watch somebody just have apathy for the the production of Jesus Walks. Like he heard it and he's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like I would expect Scarface to be more on a track like that than family business, but he hears yeah. family business and Kanye rapping the family business. I mean, I've always liked family business. I maybe haven't liked it as much as other people do, but that scene in that movie really made me love that movie. <laughs> I think I infinitely just like love that movie more now because of that scene. Or the song, the song. Uh, the yeah, the song. Family you were saying Business. you yeah. you were saying you love the movie more because <laughs> of that scene. It was like you love the song Sorry. more because of that scene. Yeah, unless there's a movie called Family Business, I would watch that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and that was really startling because I was expecting like, I mean, we know that Scarface is it on either of those like yeah. songs. Yeah. So I was like, how is this going to go to where like Scarface is just not going? He's not going to like either, and then he liked Family yeah. Business, but ended up not even giving Ye a verse for it. It's just striking, startling. Yeah. I wonder if Scarface has said anything about it. Like <laughs> he seemed blown away by family business. He was sitting there just like his face was just like, man, like that was incredible. So, yeah. Like, Oh my goodness. Like you made this like <laughs> you, you wow. rap like, holy shit. Again, that's just another moment where like someone sees the raw talent, but also it's just like, but you're a producer, you're a nobody. Like I'm not going to be on your song. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Eh, oh, that's um, man. part two. You get a few more reactions. I don't want to, I guess, necessarily spoil for people that don't want to know anything. So I'm going to do this thing where I put my hands over uh. my ears. <laughs> if you're watching the video um, and just wait for me to take my hands o- off my ears. But and if you're listening to the podcast, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you have this moment where he plays. I forget the song. Why am I forgetting the song? Uh, I think it might be Slow Jams uh-huh. for Pharrell. And Pharrell just like freaks out. Yeah. And he, he's just like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Like it's, uh-huh. it's the reaction you've been wanting everybody to have this entire time that nobody has had. Yeah. And Pharrell finally like is the one. It just like <laughs> gushes and it's this great like extended scene. Like you're hearing him. Uh, I need to watch it again. Damn. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Which I wonder if it's actually still on my Netflix account. The, the same thing happens in that two word scene, which I, I guess people have already seen that scene. Um, yeah. But still like I had already seen that scene, but watching it again, like I got goosebumps all over again. Like you feel mm. how much Kanye feels those words and like the genuine just like shock on everybody's faces and how most stuff was just like jesus like whoa <laughs> like, it was almost like it was the first time most stuff was hearing that verse yeah and he's just like Should this guy just do did he just do that <laughs> i just like that scene that made me love two words more too it did it did i keep trying yeah. to like i'm if anybody watching the video i'm trying to do like a shocked most deaf face. <laughs> like that's the other great part of this movie is that kind of shock. You don't, you don't typically see that like a, you don't see it in movies because movies are people acting. So it's not real, <laughs> but you don't really <laughs> see that in documentaries that often, like these looks on people's faces where in this moment, they're recognizing how, incredibly talented Kanye West is this guy who will go on to become arguably the most talented musician ever. Like in a lot of people's opinions, like to, to witness this, this moment where Scarface hears family business, most deaf hears two words. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't remember what else there was, but (laughs) like (laughs) that, the intimacy of seeing just like the shock on someone's face, like, Oh my God, that is precious. Yeah, it's wow. just one of those like moments that's sweeter than old Sadie. Is that the 
<laughs> is that the line? <laughs> I think that's the line. Yeah. Although uh, I'm blanking on what it's from. Sweeter than old Sadie. Um, it's a... <laughs> oh, no. It's a late registration song, right? Yeah. No. College dropout song? Oh, my God. Oh, Many no. Of experts over here. Yeah. You know, we're the number one scholars of his discography. Man, old Sadie. Let's see. Let's see. Let's get this. Let's just get this. Oh, oh, last call. <laughs> that is a shame. We should know that. Ah! Uh! <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry i if i if i had my kanye fan card right by me i would turn it in right now i feel like my um, punishment should be listening to last call on loop for like eight straight hours which wouldn't be a punishment at all so i accept it would not be i'm in the gap like banana republican old navy and ooh, it came out sweeter like old sadie oh man, oh, man. i'd even get the line wrong right as i'm reading it it come out sweeter than old sadie Nice as Bum B when I met him at the Source Awards. Girl he had with him. Ass could have won the Horse Awards. <laughs> you said that so matter-of-factly. Ass could have won the Horse Awards. Ass could have won the Horse Awards. It's just it's a <laughs> statement of fact, you know? Oh, man. Statement of fact. I'm so uh, excited for the rest of this movie. Yeah, I'm excited for you and everyone else to get to see it. So, I mean... If y'all have some favorite moments from the documentary, let us know yeah. what they are. And uh, if you have any gripes, keep that <laughs> shit to yourself. <laughs> you can complain to me, but yeah, don't complain. Chris is sensitive. You just leave him alone. I, I have met Cootie and Chike in person. I will not stand for any disparagement of their <laughs> oh, work. Oh, critiques of Cootie and Chike? Oh, I agree. Keep that to yourself. I think you meant of us. <laughs> well, oh yeah, of us. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> say what needs to be said you know absolutely and a lot needs to be said <laughs> too much write a book uh all right any any final thoughts any any last calls uh uh let's go ahead and put on the last call music under here yeah i just uh it, it's truly a treat like in all seriousness like i wish i could meet kudi and chike and just like thank them for making a movie like like this kind of movie isn't easy to make. Like, as much as it seems like, like, oh, all they're doing is just showing scenes unfold. Like, these scenes we watch play out in real time, they're, like, expertly placed in a narrative they're putting together. Like, to put a, together a movie like this, it they're creating this portrait of Kanye that just hasn't been done. Like, it, it's so mm -hmm. incredible. Again, he might be the most important musician of all time and they have made something that truly honors that like kudos kudos indeed Man. well then all right well until part two keep or not keep it wavy stay wavy keep it loopy yeah. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. 
We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.